This is LAC Online Church in Perry, Ohio. We exist to love God and love people. For more information about our church or ministry activities, please visit lakeeriechurch.com. Now here's today's message. We are in the middle of our series entitled How to Pray. And uh, when you came in this morning, you have been given a handout. I hope that you got one. If you don't have one, if you will raise your hand, the ushers will come right quickly and bring you one because in that packet are several very important items that we want you to have. This month of January is a season of renewal. And uh, we're encouraging you to engage with the scriptures. There's a 31-day uh, Bible reading challenge there in your handout. Uh, there is a 14-day fasting guide. Today, some of us are starting our fast, and others of you perhaps have already started. But for the next 14 days, uh, we are uh, adding fasting to our Bible reading and prayer experiences. And uh, there's some information in there about that. Uh, and there's also a blog post by a pastor that I've been reading after that I thought was very helpful because this morning we're talking about how to pray through disappointment. How to pray through your disappointments. And so we wanted to give you uh, some additional. So I hope that you will take all of this home with you, that you will work through it in the week, uh, and then you, that you'll use it as a resource. Every week the packet is going to be different. So uh, just because you got the packet last week doesn't mean it's a different packet. So you're going to want to get the packet every week, and at the end of the five weeks, hopefully you're going to have some resources uh, with you there. There's also a prayer wheel uh, in there if you are looking for uh, a resource to help you. Uh, we always encourage you to pray at least five minutes every day. Uh, but if you want to pray more, if you wanted to pray 30 minutes, you could pray about three minutes in every one of these stations if you needed something like that. I've used this for many, many years in my life. Uh, I used to have one taped in my car uh, so that I would, as I would drive, I could use that prayer wheel uh, to pray for a full hour. Each session, five minutes uh, would be one hour uh, of prayer and intercession and those kind of things. But again, just offering you some things that hopefully will be helpful. The sermon notes are in a fill-in-the-blank form and the PowerPoint, uh, we hope, aligns with that, Abby. Fellenstein does these for us, and she does a fabulous job. Hopefully all of that information will be there. Uh, and, and here's what I encourage you to do with the notes. I encourage you to write down everything that the Lord says to you. Not everything that I say. Because the words that I say will go away. But the words that God says to you will last forever. And if you don't write them down, you won't remember them. I know you think that you will. You would imagine that if God himself spoke to you, that you would never forget that, but you will. So write it down. I once knew a man that kept a notebook of everything that he believed that God had ever said to him. And he brought it to me. And it was, it was marvelous just to look through to the journey that this man had had with, with the Lord, walking with the Lord and listening uh, to the voice of the Lord. I also want to bring to your attention that, as we said last week in the lobby, we have purchased uh, for the church, for you to purchase, two books that we are recommending during this year for you to be able to read. Both of them are by uh, Pastor Peter Gregg from London, England, the Emmaus Road Church. 
Uh, one of them is called How to Pray, and the other one is called How to Listen or How to Hear God. Uh, books that have had a profound impact on my life have brought me really to this moment with you, this conviction that God wants you to pray and He wants you to listen. It's not enough just to talk to God. You have to listen and hear the voice of the Lord. And the Lord wants you uh, to do that. So I hope that this week that you will make an effort to lean in and pray and read the word of the Lord. Fast if you are so inclined, feel led. If you have questions about any of these things, I encourage you to find one of our elders or find one of our pastors uh, and let them talk with you and uh, help you if you have any questions in any of those areas, okay? Turn to your neighbor and say, how to pray. I want you to bow your heads, take your right hand, place it over your heart, and I want you to pray the prayer with me that the disciples prayed when they said to Jesus, teach us how to pray. So in this moment, Lord, we humbly say to you that we don't know everything that we need to know, should know, want to know about prayer. So teach us to pray. Lord, today's message is going to be emotional. It's going to be very personal for somebody. And I just pray for your sweet presence to be in this room and encounter every person where they are, where they're at, what they're feeling. And pray, Holy Spirit, that your will will be done. And when we get to the end, Lord, of this talk, this message today, let our faith in you be stronger than it has ever been before. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I first met Mike and Cynthia when I was pastor of my first church in North Carolina. Mike's father was an elder leader in our church there, and Mike and Cynthia came to the Lord in a very dramatic way one night. And with their daughter April and their son Todd, they became very active members of our church. They loved the Lord very much. Uh, they were faithful. They were actively involved. She in some of the ministries, he in uh, helping the church. He was a general contractor by trade. And he was the guy that helped me in so many different places in the building and, and making contacts in the business world from the people that uh, he knew. They were deeply engaged in our church. Well, over the years and time, I moved on from there, got into administrative work and I was living in Lexington, Kentucky in the years of 1987 and 88 when I got a phone call from Cynthia who said, Mike's in trouble. And I said, what happened? He said, well, I'm going to let him tell you about it, but I am sending him over to you. And so he drove up from North Carolina and he stayed with me for about four days. And uh, we had an opportunity to talk. And what I discovered is that Mike had made a business deal uh, with another man in the city that he had trusted, someone that he had known a long time, and so he had gotten into a business deal, and this man had very deceptively manipulated it so that Mike would lose everything. 
and Mike was devastated financially. Uh, he, he, wasn't, he didn't catch what the man was doing quick enough, and Mike ended up losing his home and his car and his business, and he and Cynthia were devastated by what happened. By the time Mike got to me, he was so emotionally distraught that I wasn't sure how stable he actually was. I remember sitting up with him night after night, talking and listening to his story. And one question kept coming up all through those four days. How could God have let this happen to us? How could God? We loved Him. He knew that. We've been faithful to God. We have served Him very faithfully. How could God have let this happen to us? We see devastation and we see crisis and calamity everywhere. We watch on the news and sometimes our hearts will wonder, why does God allow certain things to happen? Mike died the next year. And I always believed that Mike died with a broken heart. A heart that could never come to grips and never understand why God had allowed this situation to happen in his life. Have you ever been disappointed with God? If you, have you ever had your expectations with God and they were not fulfilled and you had to grapple with what was left of your broken expectations? If you've served the Lord for any length of time, I'm sure that you have. I'm sure that everyone in this room who's had any experience with God over any length of time could probably tell a story that would match the story that I just told. Because sometimes... We preach about a God who answers every prayer. We preach about a God who comes in on a white horse and slays the, the giant and sets the world right. But it isn't always that way. We say prayer is wonderful, but sometimes prayer is not wonderful. Sometimes prayer is disappointing. Sometimes the prayers don't always get answered. Sometimes your, love, sometimes your loved one dies in spite of how hard you pray. Sometimes the job that you wanted never materializes. Sometimes you're disappointed with the unanswered prayers that you've prayed. Sometimes the marriage never gets better. Sometimes the rebellious child never comes back. Sometimes the cancer continues to grow. Sometimes you live and deal with disappointment. I know. I've been there. We've all been there. In fact, in one of the darkest spaces of my life several years ago, I wrote these words in one of my books. And it said, there is a tombstone in every heart where our unmet expectations of God are buried. That we all have those places where we have had to come to a place of acceptance and trust with God because our expectations were not met. And when I thought about this message many, many, many weeks ago, I thought about this passage. I came to this passage that Karen read this morning. And I can't think of another passage that more accurately depicts managing and praying through our disappointments. Because here is the Son of God 
the holiest man that ever lived, the most righteous person who ever walked on the earth, who is wrestling in the tension of, the, of this moment when the very night that he's going to be arrested, in the next 24 hours they're going to nail him to a cross. He's going to be beaten and he's going to give his life for humanity's sin. But on that night, he is wrestling with this struggle that he has between what God wants and what he wants. And I want to look at this with you in three statements. We're going to take one passage, one one prayer that Jesus prayed out and we're going to look at it in three different ways and then we're going to finish in a, in a very personal and poignant way. Here's the first one. Notice what Jesus said. He said, My Father, if it is possible, take this cup of suffering from me. Yet not what I want, but what you want. Let's look at the emphasis on my father. Because sometimes when your life is broken, when it is broken, when your life is complicated, we have to hold tightly to the love of our father. You know what the Bible says in 1 John 3 and 1? It says, Beloved, we are the children of God. That's, that the Father loves us so very much because we are His children. Every one of you sitting here this morning, every one of you that's listening to me, every person that's watching me online, you belong to God. You are the child of God. If you took your blood down to Tripoint Hospital and they ran it through their systems, they might come back and tell you that you have O negative or, or B positive. But in fact, spiritually, you have royal blood because you are a child of the Most High King. You are the beloved of God and He loves you and his love is sure and it's dependable and no matter how difficult and complicated your life may be you can always depend on the love of your father you are loved and because you are loved when life is complicated you can lean into that you know, the, the mistake that many of us make, you've made it, I've made it, we all make it. Sometimes when life is complicated, we want to isolate ourselves from the Lord. We want to pull back and get into a, our own place. But that's not the time to be isolated. It's a time to allow the Father to love you. When you don't understand why things are happening. When you don't understand why your prayers aren't being answered. When you don't understand why things aren't meeting your expectations. That's the time when you need to allow the Father to wrap His arms around you. And just love you and hold you in that moment. You ever had a sick child? During the Christmas holidays, Paul and Noel Passerelle's little daughter, Elin, I believe it's Elin, right? She got sick, and the call came that they were rushing her to the hospital. She and her sister had been sick with a virus for several days, and there had been some complications with Elin, and so they were rushing her to the hospital. So Dustin and I and Shelly, we took off, and we gathered there in the hospital, and grandparents were there and uh, you know they, they weren't originally going to let me go back but 
you know, there is a point at which I'm going to have my way. That's my girl back there. And by golly, I'm going to wear the mask and I'm going to do what I need to do, but I'm going back there. And, and I think the girl got the news at some point that, I, that she was pretty clear I was going. And, and so I went back there to that room. There was little Elon laying on the bed. And radiology was coming for some, for some tests. And I'm telling you, when they were rolling that little girl out of that room, I wanted to climb up in that bed with her. I wanted to hold her. I know her parents did the same. Uh, Paul and Noel were right there behind her. The grandparents were right there. We were all just kind of leaning in to Elin, letting her know that we loved her. Now, she's too young to understand that. She's under, too young to understand that it's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. You're not going to be sick forever. It's going to be all right. You're going to get better. And somehow or another, these viruses and things, they, they build up your immunity. and It's going to help you in the future. But when you're that young, you don't understand it. What you need is you need the love of your father and your mother. You need to know that you are loved. And in the moments of your life when you can't figure out what God is doing, you don't know why you're going through what you're going through. And I know some of you sitting here, some of you watching me, I was texting with, with someone today who's reaching out for prayer. We were talking about the fact that it's been a long journey and we've waited and prayed and waited and prayed. And it doesn't seem like we're making any progress. Sometimes we just need to lean back in the arms of the Father and let the Father's love strengthen us and help us. He, he may not deliver you from every trial, but one thing you can know, He will never abandon Let's look at the second one. The second one, he says, My father, if it's possible, take this cup of suffering from him, yet not what I want, but what you want. If it is possible. Here's the second sentence. When, when we are broken, we need to lean into the power of God. Hold out for God's when our life is complicated, hold out for the power of God. You know what I think we do sometimes? At least I, I, I'm speaking for my own self. I think this is what I do sometimes. I think we lower our expectations of God so we won't get disappointed. Let me give you an example of how we do this. Now, don't fall out with me. I'm just trying to be real. I was in the hospital one time praying for a man. I didn't even know the guy. They asked me to come and pray for him. And I went to the hospital and I went in and introduced myself and said, I'm here to pray for you. I understand you've been sick. I want to pray over you. I didn't know much about the story. Didn't know much about the situation. So I didn't know how actually to pray, Jason. I just, I'm just trying to be a, a, you know, faithful to my responsibility. And so I laid my hand on his hand and I began to pray. And I said, now, Lord... If it be your will to touch this man, I pray. And he stopped me and said, what are you praying? I said, pardon me? He said, what is this if it be God's will? Doesn't the Bible say that by his stripes we're healed? I said, it does. He said, well, I want you praying, Lord, if it's your will. Now, listen, I understand about the will of God and I understand about all that, but Here's my point. If, if we're not careful, we lower the expectations so that we won't get disappointed. We can always say, well, it must not have been God's will. And we have a tendency at times to minimize the power of God. 
To minimize how powerful God is, the God that we serve, and we, we, we try to protect ourselves. Notice what happened here. This is Jesus' darkest hour before the cross. It's his darkest hour, and he's, he's agonizing. In fact, the Bible, the Bible language, the narrative says that he prayed so intently that his blood, as it were, drops of sweat. His sweat was as drops of blood. That's the way it goes. He's praying. He's sweating so intently because of the stress and the strain that he's under. It's Jesus' darkest hour. But even in that hour, Jesus believed and Jesus knew that if he called on his father, his father would rescue him. Remember that story? When they're about to arrest him and Peter grabs the sword and cuts the man's ear off and Jesus said, what are you doing? Don't you know that if I were to call out to my father, he would send legions, many angels to rescue me? Jesus knew the power of his father was available. If he needed to call on it, he wasn't afraid to understand that his father was more than capable. And I want you to understand this morning that the God that you're praying to this week, the God that you are talking to this week, is more powerful than the need that you're asking Him for. He is able to do exceeding, the Bible said, abundantly more than we ask or think. But sometimes that's hard to hold on to when you're facing a mountain of trouble and a mountain of difficulty. It's hard sometimes to have the kind of faith that I'm talking about when you've prayed and prayed and prayed and nothing has happened and you don't know if it's going to work out. You start wondering, is God able to do this? Some of you, many of you know my story. Twelve years ago, my first wife died of cancer at the age of 47. She died in March, and in June of that year, I was invited to preach the state camp meeting in Arizona. And so I flew out there to Phoenix, and uh, one of those nights of that meeting, before we went out for service, we were in a little prayer room like we have here, and a group of people are gathered around, and they're praying. And as I'm praying, somebody tapped me on the shoulder. And I turned and this man said, there's a guy out here and he needs to talk to you. So I excused myself and I went out in the hallway and there's this man I've never met. And he told me, he said, you're not going to know me. He said, I drove here from Flagstaff, Arizona, three and a half hours. And he said, I, I had read your story. I knew your story. I knew what had happened with your wife. And he said, my wife has the very same diagnosis, stage four, colon cancer. Doctors have given us almost no hope that she would survive. But as I was praying today, I felt strongly that the Lord wanted me to bring my wife here so you could pray for her. I didn't know what to say. I said, well, of course, yes, bring your wife on. He said, well, she's in a wheelchair. I'll have to bring her in. I'll be right back. Now, listen, 
In the moments that he was gone from me, I turned into a corner where there was a little curtain here. And I got behind that curtain, and here's what I, exactly what I said to God. I don't know what you're trying to do. How am I supposed to offer this woman the kind of faith that she needs for the crisis that she's in? Because I'm still struggling in my own faith. I'm still struggling in my own situation. How do you want me to pray over this woman and give her some confidence that God will hear the prayer when I'm still struggling about my own unanswered prayers? They wheeled her in, and I'm telling you, she, her body was withered. But with hope-filled eyes, she looked up at me and she said, I thank you for praying for me. And there was just something in that moment. I don't know how to describe what happened to me in that moment. I'm just going to give God credit for it. I just said to her, listen, I believe in a God who still heals. You understand what I'm saying? It's that resolve that says, I didn't get my prayer answered, but I'm not changing the way I feel. It didn't work out for me the way that I expected, but I'm not giving up my hope and my faith in God. I'm not going to quit believing that God is able to do abundantly more than I ask or think just because it doesn't happen for me the way that I want it to happen. You see, that's the test of faith. Faith really isn't faith until you need it. It's not faith until you get to the place where you don't have anything else to lean on, anything else to trust, and you say to God, I don't know what to say. I'm just telling you I need you. Hold out for the power of God. Because God is eminently powerful enough to do whatever it is that you need him to do. Here's the third and final one. He says, my father, if it's possible, take this cup of suffering away from me. And I think that in those seven words is the gift that some of you needed this morning. Those seven words are the gift that you need this morning because what happens is this. When you're disappointed with the way things are going, just be honest with God. Just tell God the truth. Jesus said, I don't want this. I don't want this to be the outcome. I understand it has to be done. I understand this is the way that it was designed. I'm the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. But I don't want nobody putting a nail through my hand. And if there's any other way, take this cup from me. I think that if we're honest with ourselves today, we all try to play games with God in prayer. We try to put on the brave face. We do it when we come to church. And I, and I understand why we do it. I'm not here to try to jump on you for that. But we can be having the God-awful worst day of our life. And somebody say, how you doing? We'll say, I'm fine. Lying rascal. But we don't know how to say to them, I'm having an awful day. Because there's an awkwardness that comes right there. Have you ever noticed that? When somebody says, we say, how you doing? You say, well, you got time for it? No, I don't really have time for you to tell me why it's an awful day. So we just play the game, don't we? I'm fine. We sit down. People speak to us. We try to put on the brave face that we've got it all together. 
And sometimes our world is falling apart. Sometimes we are broken at levels we cannot even describe. Sometimes the pain is so unbearable from the hurt and the disappointment that we have felt that we don't even know how to pray. I reached out a few weeks ago to some friends of mine as I was preparing some of these messages and one of my good friends, and if I, if, 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 if I think about it too much, I'm like, I'm blown away. In fact, I read it to Shelley because I couldn't believe the man told me this. A, a man of renowned education and, and theological underpinnings, a man that I respect so highly, who, who said to me, he said, I'm going to be honest with you, a couple of years ago I went through a crisis and I quit praying for two years. What? I just stopped praying for two years because I didn't trust it. He said, God graciously restored my prayer life. He restored that. Just being honest with God and telling God how you actually feel. There's nothing wrong with you being honest with God. I told you last week, you're not going to get struck by lightning and God's not going to be mad at you. If you just tell him how you feel. I'm not secure in what I'm doing. I'm not secure in how I feel. I'm not secure in who I am. I don't know how to raise my kids. I don't know how to protect my marriage. I don't know how to run this business. You think you're telling God something he doesn't already know? In fact, I'm telling you right now that where God wants you to be every day of your life is on your knees saying to God, I don't know how to do this. And I need your help. And God says, I'll help you. I'll help you. My strength will be your strength. And I will help you to navigate what you cannot navigate by yourself. And Jesus says that. He tells the Father, please don't make me do this. Then he finishes by saying, but I want what you want more than I want what And I'm saying to you, my dear brothers and sisters today, that's where the rubber meets the road. A few years ago, I wrote a book with my son, who pastors in Kentucky. We wrote a book together entitled, I Want What God Wants. It was about this journey of obedience. At the time that, at that time, I was reading the Bible completely through Marking everything in my Bible that had to do with obedience and surrender. Realizing that the whole Bible is about obedience and surrender. And my son, whose wife had just given birth to a little girl, was dealing with the uncertainty of a doctor saying, I'm not sure why her head is so large. We need to run more tests. We need to... We need to... uh, do an MRI, we need brain scans because this could be, could be hydrocephalus, you know, it could be a virus of some kind or it could be some kind of childhood cancer. Shelly and I were just dating during that time, right? I remember reaching out to Shelly and asking her to help us pray. I think that's one of the reasons she and Nora are so close because of the intercession that went on in those months, while we were waiting for the answer for all of this. And when it was over, you know, what they determined is that her head was this big because she's got a grandfather who has a big head. (laughs) 
I mean, I go over there to that store in the mall where they sell those hats. None of those hats fit me. My head's too big. That's what was wrong with Nora. She just had a large head, and her body grew into it, and you wouldn't know the difference now if you saw her. But in the days after that, I drove down to Cincinnati and met my son for supper, and I said to him, I said, Jason, how did you pray through this? How did you navigate such uncertainty? I'll never forget. He said to me, he said, Dad, I didn't know how to pray for days. I didn't even know what to say to God. But he said, one night I stretched across the bed, and I just said these words. I heard myself say these to God. God, I want what you want for Nora, whatever it is. And I'm telling you, when he said those words in that restaurant that night, it was like a dagger went through my chest. I got back in my car driving back north, and I said to God, I said, why did that bother me so much? And I just felt like the impression of the Lord was, the reason that bothered you is that's not the way you pray to me. You don't ever pray to me, I want what you want. You're always telling me what you want. You're always telling me this is what I want and I need you to do this for me. You've got a checklist every time that we get together and you're telling me all the stuff that you want, but you don't ever say, God, I want what you want. You know, sometimes even when we pray that prayer, we want to, we want to just couch it a little bit and we'll, because we feel guilty of praying about the things that we want and we, we finish up by saying, and Lord, we'll give you all the glory. As if we're throwing him a crumb. You do what we want you to do, God, and we'll give all the glory to you. That doesn't work that way. Jesus said, I don't want this. But I want what you want more than I want what I want. And I think that's it. I think that's the message right there. Can you get to a place in your disappointment, in your struggle, your, your struggle with God, can you get to the place where you can honestly say to God, I don't like this. I don't like what's going on in my life. I don't like what's going on in my head. But I want what you want. Now I want you to listen to me. Because this is not the kind of message that is easy to preach or listen to. It's not necessarily going to draw people to Lake Erie Church. But here's what I'm telling you. This is true. Sometimes when you pray, God says yes. I'm granting that, I'm going to give it to you. But sometimes when you pray, God says, wait, not now. Slow down, not now. It's not going to happen. And on some level, I think we're good with both of those. But then sometimes when we pray, God says, no way. We have to figure out at that point what we're going to do. We've got to figure out at that point where we go next. 
I tell you where Job went. Job said, though he slay me, I'm still going to serve him. If God never answers my prayer, I'm going to serve him. That's what Jesus said. If you don't take this cup away from me, and live with it. Because I want in my heart, I want what you want for the kingdom. I want to close this morning with a very personal and emotional story that I'm, I'm giving you by permission. The persons that are involved here have given me their permission to tell this story. It's their story. It's not mine. And it's very personal. And I was very careful because I did not want to add to anybody's pain. But if you came, if you were coming to Lake Erie in 2019 when we were at Antioch, you probably remember that Alexis Welch was pregnant in 2019. And we were all so excited about that baby that was coming. Her name was going to be Elizabeth. And as the day got closer and we went into 2020, everybody was excited about baby E. Just a few more weeks, just a few more days. I remember exactly where I was, sitting at a desk in front of my computer when my cell phone went off and I saw James Welch's ID and I picked it up and I heard a sobbing man's voice say, Pastor, Elizabeth is gone. We lost our baby. I said, what? He said, she's gone. Alexis went to the doctor and there's something wrong and Elizabeth is gone. I said, where are you at? He said, I'm on my way to the hospital right now. I said, I'm right behind you. I grabbed Shelly. We drove as fast as we could to that hospital. Now remember, in the spring of 2020, the pandemic had just been announced. Security in the hospital was complete lockdown. We got to the lobby and they, they wouldn't let me go up. Wasn't like that girl at the emergency room. They wouldn't let me go. I told Shelly, I said, we'll just sit right here. We're not going anywhere. We're going to sit right here. I don't know how in the world. I'm going to show you a picture of a woman. I don't know how in the world the Lord gave me favor. Can we get that picture up, Brad? God gave me favor with that woman right there. I remember her coming down the elevator to the lobby and saying to me, come with me. Alexis needs her pastor. Shelly and I went up a couple floors into the room where James and Alexis and Rebecca Wilson were waiting. It was awful. When I tell you it's awful, I can't describe to you how awful it was. The atmosphere in the room was heavy. Everybody was broken. We, we, we were trying to we're trying to navigate it, but it was awful. Time. They brought little Elizabeth into the room. They laid her in her mother's arm, in her daddy's arm. And I don't know when I've wept so hard. Because here's a father holding his baby that he will never walk down the aisle. 
mother holding a baby that she will never buy a Christmas present for. There'll be no dolls under the tree at Christmas. How do you deal with that? How do you navigate that kind of disappointment? I'm just telling you, don't. Her brothers and sisters came and stood outside in the parking lot of the hospital and waved, waved, waved to her from the window out there. They couldn't come up. They couldn't be with their sister. They couldn't be with their family. Some of you know that all too well. You've buried COVID family members. And you've had to wait outside while their last breaths were being taken. It was James and Alexis's wish that there would be a graveside service. And so we gathered out there in the Perry Cemetery that morning. Many of you were there. We gathered around that little spot. We had a little service for baby Elizabeth. It was hard. There are more questions than answers. There's emotions are so raw. Here we stand as the people of God in a moment that we can't even explain. We don't even know what to say. We don't know how to even say. How much do we say? How little do we say? Do we, by not saying anything, are we saying something? What do we do? All we know is that we love James and Alexis and their children and this family. And we love God. We went through our little service there. We're just about to leave. If you, if you were there, you remember what I'm about to tell you. We're just about to leave. Pastor Jerome started singing. If I remember correctly, and I could get it wrong, but I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he started singing, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. And there's something about everybody singing that just lifted the spirit of that moment. And then we went home. James and Alexis tried to live on from that moment and we've all tried to help as much as we can. I went out to Elizabeth's grave the other day. I sat there by that site and I don't have any more answers today than I did then. But I remembered that song Remembered that moment when we were singing at that gravesite. And I thought about three things that happened, and I'm going to give this to you, and then we're going to finish. Singing that song out there in that gravesite that day, we told the Lord, We will never stop loving you. We may not understand, we may not know why this has happened, but we won't stop loving you. Singing that song that day, we told the devil, you will never get our heart. No matter how bad it is, no matter how hard it is, we're not giving you our heart. And three, and maybe most importantly, for Bella and Joel and Marcus and Alexis and James and everybody else, we proved that on the worst God-awful day of our life, you can still sing. 
may be a song of sorrow. It may be a sad song that you can sing. Because God is good. And God loves us. And even when we don't understand, even when we are disappointed and our expectations are not met, God is good. Thank you for listening. Lake Erie Church is a multicultural Pentecostal church located in Perry, Ohio, about 30 minutes east of Cleveland. We would love to have you for a visit sometime. For more information or to connect with our team, please visit lakeeriechurch.com.